stop Ouija. I don't have enough arcane power. Where am I needed? I need fury, not enough hatred. Resupply here! Spawn more overlords. They're taking the point! I can't for me! Yes! Victory! Greetings, friends and fellow gamers. Thank you so much for listening to Not Enough Resources. We are a bi-weekly gaming podcast hosted on roguesportal.com. My name is Ryan. You can find me online at Ryan M. Holt pretty much anywhere. This week, I am joined by my co-host, Dylan. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, it's, it's been a grand week. Um, I got to play some video games last weekend, which was Perfect, perfect. I, too, am having a great week, and let's just take that energy and move forward. What what have you been diving into? Uh, so, I actually, um, I, I stayed at my dad's most of the last weekend. I was house-sitting, uh, and so I got to really dive into Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I probably put in, like, 20 hours over the course of three days. Um, and, and, uh, it is way better than, um, like it's it, it was great like lot like when I first started playing it but I've I kind of um I'd watched my sister play uh kind of once you reach the open world point and um I had kind of stopped playing at about the end of like the opening can- kind of quest campaign that that leads you through basic tutorial stuff um but now that I've I've started to like explore the game um I I'm a really big fan uh I haven't found like any of the questing or any of the stuff that i've been doing repetitive um the kind of i guess side missions or side quests like they're they're missions which i think is really cool and the characters involved in them have all been really interesting um which i i love like i've always hated uh those open world games where the side quests are just like find things that are hidden everywhere like there is one of those but um like you, you meet this guy, who is like a former soldier, who's basically like a psychopath serial killer, um, but he he like expends that energy by wiping out bandit camps, um, and he like asks you to help him because his like last partner died, um, and so anytime you like come across these bandit camps, he's just there already, and you can just help him clear the bandit camp um and they're these cool like stealth uh missions where you're just like basically killing a bunch of bandits um and but it was just kind of interesting to see this murdering monster um as your ally and it, it, it just kind of works i guess um and so i thought that was cool i thought it was well written um and then i also uh it's also kind of cool. So my sister has progressed through like the linear storyline. She basically didn't do any of the the side quests, and she's level seventeen or eighteen or something. Her character is, um, and she's gotten pretty far. But her, like, she doesn't have a lot of weapons or upgrades or anything like that, just from progressing from the main quest. So it's like incredibly difficult for her to continue progressing. Um, and and she's got kind of frustrated with the game, but. I'm level 18 and I haven't even like progressed kind of like the second arc of the main story at all. Um, and so I'm, I'm like the same level as she is, uh, nearly, I'm a level behind her actually. Um, and, and I've like collected a lot more stuff 
Um, but it's it's kind of neat. Like, I she could beat the game without doing any of the other stuff. Um, because the way she's playing it is is her character's kind of prerogative is to just like solve like the big puzzle. Um, and if I'm obsessive, then I'm just doing all of the side quests. Um, and so it's uh, I I just think it's really well made that you can do that if you want. In traditional open world games, are you the guy that like opens up the map, finds all the little doodads, and just goes ham, or do you typically like play through like area to area? Like, what's what's your style for open world games? Because I know that drastically affects like how I play open world games and what that means, you know? Yeah. So like, um, I'll I'll use uh, Assassin's Creed Two as kind of an example. So I would go through and clear like a particular um, piece of a mission. Uh, so like I, I went back and like did like all of like the eagle points, and that was like the first thing I did when I unlocked a new area. Um, as soon as I got access to like the city or that you that you're like in charge of, um, I, I just went around doing stuff to pay for all of the upgrades for the city as fast as possible. Um, I kind of I find a thing and then I try to complete as much of that thing as I can at once. Um, so like I start pulling on one thread and I just stay on that thread until it's it's out of the sweater. If that makes sense. No, no, it absolutely does. And and so in Horizon Zero Dawn, what I found is that like I can totally do that. Um, it's similar to like Skyrim, how there's like a lot of quests and lot of stuff and you don't need to do the main quest you play um but this one is uh just there's less there's not too many stories in skyrim i got overwhelmed um at points like i couldn't get from one place to the other place without running into a new storyline and then having to choose to stop and do this storyline or keep doing the thing that i had already started um and so that was frustrating or like um and uh, a problem for me in skyrim is like if i ran into like a monster on my way somewhere i wouldn't just run past it or around it like i stop and fight it almost every time and the way the herd system works in horizon zero dawn um then like i i can stop and clear out a herd and collect all the stuff and then keep and then keep going and it doesn't feel like it takes too long or feel like it's impossible. And they also like the rest of the herd will run away if I've like snuck up and like downed one of them, Um, depending on what kind of herd it is. Some of the herds are more violent, obviously, but um, I found that like nice because it, it allows me to progress through the story without feeling like I'm just killing the same mob over and over and over again, just walking from one place to the well, I'm really glad that you are enjoying your time with Horizon Zero Dawn. It's on my backlog, like way, way down at the bottom. Um, but I'm glad you're enjoying it because open world games, you know, mileage varies. Some people really like them. Some people don't. So to hear about it firsthand from somebody who seems to be really enjoying it is really, really refreshing. Um, I have been diving in to a turn-based strategy game called Into the Breach. Um, it's an indie game by the same people who did uh, FTL. I don't know if you've ever played that before, 
Um, but it was kind of like a space sim where you have like your ship and manage your ship. This one is pretty much a uh, Pacific Rim where you pilot giant mechs and anti-artillery guns and things like that. And there are giant bugs, um, you know, scorpions, beetles, things like that, that are on the battlefield that you have to constantly fight. And um, most of it is like done in like these weird micro engagements where you like you pick a map and each map is like eight by eight on a grid and it's all procedurally generated. So you're never going to get like the same map um, ever again. Like you'll get like the same objectives, like defend the power plants or um, repair the tanks, the leftover tanks that are on the ground, things like that. But the cool thing is, is it has this push mechanic where if you're playing like a mech and you punch a bug in the face, it'll push the bug back a space so you can get like extra damage by like pushing bugs back into like mountains or other bugs or other buildings. And it's very like you have to think like two or three steps ahead. But the thing is, is these maps only go for like four to six turns. So it's really quick. You're in and out like really quick between map to map to map to map, which I think is really fun because like you can sit down, play a couple, put it away, come back, play a couple more, put it away. So I don't know. Are there, are there turn timers? Um, I was looking at some footage of the of the game um, while you were talking about it. It looks really cool. Um, but yeah, are there turn timers or do you have like infinite time to kind of plan out your turn? Um, I haven't found an option for turn timers. I'm not sure if there is one. I'm okay with that though. Um, because it does telegraph like all of your opponent's attacks and a lot of it is plotting out cause and effect, you know, um, turn timers, I think can be useful, but I feel that they are sometimes a mechanic that is implemented just to keep things moving and uh, turn timers force you to make mistakes because you're racing against the clock. You're not really thinking things through. When I get a level that has like perfect execution on into the breach, it feels really good. And to have something hinder that like a timer, I don't know if that would be like the right design choice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I saw like the, that push mechanic that you're talking about was really neat. You could like, line up the bugs and then shoot them with like a laser that hit them all um, by setting it up with a push from like a different mech, um, which I, I don't know. It's, it looks really neat. Well, and not only that, but you'll even get, uh, you'll even get weapons that don't do damage. They only do push and like, you'll get weapons that do like cones and like lines and just like straight attacks and like melee attacks and there was one I got the other day where it was like a jump jet where you would jump over a bug and as you were jumping over you would like hit your boosters to light them on fire so like it's it's very much so about like positioning and movement it's very strategic in that regard and like the other thing I think that's really cool is like you only get three mechs per map some maps, like, you might get, like, extra tanks that are already on the map. Like, if the objective is, like, repair tanks to bring tanks into the battle or whatever, right? But you only get to drop in three at a time. So you have to be very, you know, aware of, like, what you're bringing to the battle and how they work together. Like, 
I have one tank right now that's like really, really good. He does line damage, right? So if I line up all the monsters and shoot at once, it's great. But the problem is, is I can only use that attack two times um, per map. So, like, I have to be very aware of all of that. And it's very, very quick because it's only, like, four or five turns a map, which, like, I love. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And then, you know, on top of that, you get, like, all of your standard, you know, strategy snafus, right? So, like, if you're standing on a forest and you deal damage, then that forest is on fire. So then you're taking fire damage. Or, like, if you're playing on a level that has a volcano or flash freezes or... Uh, tidal waves, things like that. Like, you have to be aware of all of that. But, like, because these are just so tight and bite-sized experiences, like, you never know what the game's going to throw at you, which I think is its biggest strength, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the random map generator, like, is... I don't know. It looks really cool. Um, And and I, I assume that it's just on computer, just on PC. Yeah, um, it's only on PC. There is, I mean, there will probably be a mobile or tablet port at some point. Um, the one thing I will say that kind of like throws me off on it is, and this is why I say it's coming to tablet, is because um, I find myself like hitting M on my keyboard to like, like I'll click on a unit, hit M to move. And it doesn't do anything. M mutes the music. And, like, that's just me fighting, like, 20 years of game design. Because that's, you know, Age of Empires, StarCraft, Warcraft, Command and Conquer, like, all of them. M moves your unit. That's just ingrained, right? But in this yeah. game, it mutes the music, which is why I think it's coming to tablet. Because the way movement works is you just click on a unit, and then it brings up their movement grid, and then you can pick where they move. So you don't really need, like, you know hit the M button to move that that's not a thing. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like they, they need to kind of optimize the hotkeys a little bit, but well, I don't know. I don't know if they need to though, because like if it's coming to tablet, like you're, you don't have a keyboard on tablet, right? So if you want to have like one skew designed for tablets, phones, PC, Mac, so on and so forth, like why put in that extra work? I don't know. That's like, but like, it's such a minor thing. And like I said earlier, it's, it's me fighting 20 years of game design, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's what I've been playing and I've been enjoying it a lot. The other thing that's really cool is because it's on steam and steam does cloud saves is I can go from like my laptop to my desktop at home and just back and forth, back and forth on the same save file. So that's, you know, that's always fun. Modern technology is really cool like that. The cloud save. Yeah, it's great. So that's what I've been playing. Um, let's go ahead and move on to news. Dylan, what do you think about the ESRB and loot boxes? I, I'm disappointed. I guess mostly, mostly I feel disappointed. Um, but it's it's a move, um, which is good from like a major body. Um, so, well, just real fast, I guess. So the ESRB has decided that they're going to add, um, another like symbol rating system for, um, how in-game purchases work with games, um, which is great, uh, except that like, I mean, 
you can pretty consistently, if you're underage, go in and buy like an M-rated game. Um, I know a lot of adults that have no idea what those ratings even are on them. Um, like uh, to begin with, that are that are getting games for their kids, um, and so they're not even gonna like check for it. And so I think that it's 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 a lot like the um, like an awareness campaign for um for like cancer like a cancer type uh well they're good because it makes people aware that there's like an awful disease that probably doesn't affect their daily lives um and that they should try to like help make that better um a lot of the awareness campaigns spend all of their money on awareness instead of treatment or like problem solving so it's just kind of a disappointing like band-aid um but hey, maybe it'll stimulate the conversation a little bit, because um, that's, I mean, another good thing about awareness, I guess, is that more people are going to try and talk about it. Yeah, well, and like the full statement is weird, right? So it's like a paragraph and a half and it doesn't really, you know, this is the ASRB, right? This is this is concerned parents that want to make sure their kids are digesting healthy media, which I'm totally for. I get that. That's a valid concern to have. But like they are parents, right? This is not me and you, you know, we're pretty well versed on the difference between, you know, Overwatch, which I think we both agree is a decent loot box system versus something like Star Wars Battlefront 2, where it's a horrendous loot box system. And this language and this paragraph and a half or whatever is just rolling in all post-release transactions. So map packs for Halo or um, digital upgrades from like say Diablo 3 to Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls or expansions you know extra cars for Rocket League things like that. It's rolling in all of that into you know, this already weird Hydra head of randomized purchase. So I don't know if the language is right either, but like it feels like what they're doing is this is, you know, the very bare minimum, right? Yeah, it's just kind of. Uh, yeah, like it's the bare minimum. Like, I, I mean, hopefully it starts a conversation. Um, I mean, the thing in Hawaii is is like a much bigger deal than than this the CSRB thing uh, because again like uh, I mean right you used to work at GameStop right I mean in, I assume you were pretty diligent on, on keeping people from buying M rated games but yeah I I actually had to fire a couple of my employees um, because they didn't check for IDs on like secret shoppers we would have like you know 15, 16 year old kids come in say, oh, I would like to buy, you know, this game. It's an M-rated game. They are 16. The M-rated game cutoff was 17, and we didn't check ID. But, like, that also gets into, you know, bigger problems of, like, what what qualifies as, like, an ID? Because, like, if a kid just shows up with, like, his high school ID, like, it doesn't have a birth date on it, you know, like, I... I think profiling people based on age is 
a necessary evil, and sometimes it's stupid. Yeah, I agree. Well, and that's like, uh, I don't know. I have friends that didn't get their driver's licenses until they were eighteen or nineteen, um, and we tried to go see an R-rated movie, and they wouldn't sell them a ticket, um, because they didn't have like an ID, uh, like a state ID with their birth date on it. And a lot of people won't go and get a state ID. Um, I will say this. If you don't have a driver's license and you are over the age of whatever it is in your state that you need to be to get a state ID, go get one, please. Yeah. Just have one. Absolutely. Get a state ID, get a passport, like. Or a passport. Passport's great. Yeah. Get a, a piece of paper that establishes who you are. Um, and for obvious reasons, don't walk around with your social security card. That's a really bad idea. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, back to kind of like the discussion. Um, I mean, it's it's the same thing. Like I had secret shoppers come in and get liquor in some of the restaurants that I've worked in that were underage. Um, and the the wait, my wait staff forgot to like check their ID and they were fired. Um which sucks. Like, I mean, but it sucks. Firing people sucks. Yeah. But it's, it is kind of how we have to handle this, I guess. Um, but again, like I, I think it is pretty easy to get your hands on an M rated game. And the CSRB thing, like, isn't, isn't, doesn't say that like a eight year old can't buy, a game that that preys upon their parents' wallets, right? Like, well, and on top of that, them and yeah, check. well, and on top of that, like the other flip side of this is like part of the reason loot boxes exist, right? And you know, post-release purchases, all of them. Part of the reason all of these things exist is because games are getting so expensive to make. One of the ways producers can get cut costs is by doing like a digital only game. But there's like there's there's no clerk at the counter checking IDs for digital purchases. Like anybody can go onto the iTunes store and purchase, you know, a 99 cent song. But But like anybody can go to the iTunes store and download a free like song and then accidentally buy the album the rest of the album for $15 too. Yeah. And there's, there's no, there's no gatekeeper there. So that also worries me because I mean, like some of our favorite games, you know, like you play a lot of league of legends. I play a lot of Starcraft and Warcraft and overwatch and things like that. Like these are digital experiences, right? Like I don't have a copy of overwatch that I can have in my hand. Right. It's just on my account and I play it. So when I go to purchase a loot box, like I'm not going to a store to do that. Like it's all digital. Yeah. And I guess the the gatekeep there is that like we're adults and we have bank accounts and credit cards or debit cards or whatever. And so like that's that is what that is how we know that we're making like the decision. And I mean, when I was in high school and middle school, like if I wanted to play World of Warcraft, I would go to the store and buy my two month pass for thirty dollars. Um, 
and then attach that to my account because my parents didn't want to have the um they were they were skeptical of trusting uh the corporations that made the games which i, I mean i get it like it, it's it was kind of a new thing at the time but um, like looking back at it, it's it's funny when you look at like the size of gaming now, um, and that these corporations benefit a lot more from being legit than from breaking the law. But um, like, so so in that sense, I guess they're what like that's supposed to be the gatekeeper for kids, right? Um, however, I know most kids their first gaming system nowadays is a tablet with iTunes or Google Play on it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, it's either a tablet or, you know, it's mommy, you know, we're in the grocery store. Please hand me your cell phone so I can play the game that's on your phone while you shop. Yeah. And they aren't playing Snake anymore. They're playing something that you can't get to the next level without spending 99 cents. Probably. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack, and I think... The ESRB is doing like the absolute bare minimum, right? They want to be a part of the conversation, but like they also don't want to introduce like a form of regulation, which I totally get. I I don't think regulation's the answer, but I think I think there needs to be, you know, like a a standards and practices, not necessarily a regulation, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think there's like a larger problem here in, um, I like, I, one of the things that I've always loved about the internet is, uh, there are places you can go where you are to a certain extent, um, what's the word? Not private, but anonymous, uh, anonymous, right? Um, I mean, not truly anonymous, but to a certain extent anonymous and that, um, if you're in a room by yourself and you post something somewhere, um, they can prove what computer posted it right in a court of law, but they can't prove who posted it from that computer. Yeah. Um, which is where that anonymity comes from. Um, and while like, this is really a great thing. The internet is so integral to like our lives in the future. Like, at what point does do we need like our state IDs to include something that gives us an internet ID or something like that? Like, or like, and I mean, that's a scary thing. Like I, I'm not, not, I, I'm not neither for nor against some sort of, um, regulated internet identification system, uh, at the moment. Like I, I haven't, I've uh, both, both not having one, causes problems and having one um could cause more problems i think right now but it is a discussion that in the next 10 years is going to have to happen i agree and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for sure especially i mean like so i want to i want to touch on one more subsection of this topic and then i want to move on to some other news that has me really excited but you lived in Korea for a while, and we've talked about this a couple times where you had to have, like, a Korean social security number to sign up for, like, gaming accounts. Can you, like, explain what that is? Yeah, so um, in order to play 
uh, online in um, most games, uh, like modern games at the time when I was there. So like I could get on and play StarCraft one and that, that wouldn't be a problem or, or Warcraft three. But to make a League of Legends account, I had to identify myself as a Korean like citizen, basically, um, which uh, I didn't I didn't have a Korean social security number and and my ID number uh, didn't work. Um, and so I had to get uh, a friend of mine to make a League of Legends account like an extra one. And then that's the account that I used while I was there. Um, it's in like interesting because it, at first, like the argument is, uh, they're trying to protect their servers, um, because again, they're they are close enough to China that the ping difference wouldn't be that big of a deal, and um, there is still some um, animosity. Yeah between between those countries and and japan as well um the game wasn't technically released in japan yet um the owners of league of legends are tencent who which is a chinese company um and the way that they sell the product it like in game is different than how they sell it here or um or in other other places i guess other servers right um the client is different like there's lots of differences which is kind of an interesting thing in and of itself. Um, but the truth is, I think, is that like the Korean government does have these rules on like how you are not allowed to play after 10 p.m. Um, and things like that if you are underage. Uh, and so this, I think, is a system put in place to kind of help protect and wrangle that, as well as like um, there are some pretty severe gambling rules. Um, there, the internet is a, not nearly as free um, in Korea as it is here. There are, uh, in China, um, there are, uh, man, I'm just losing words left and right here today. Um, rules. Like that are bans and rules. Yeah, no, it's not rules. It's, uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. But, um, so... So, uh, how, what was the question? So, like, how when you were there, right? You had to essentially fake citizenry in order to like do the thing you love to play the games that you wanted to play. Like, what was you know the the post sign up economy like? Like, did did you have the ability to purchase extra skins in League of Legends and things like that? Like, that's what I'm interested in. Like, how did that initial setup process? help regulate you know post post release content does that make sense if, if, yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense if i wanted to buy anything i would have had to have gone through my friend i would have had to have given him money and then he would have had to buy it um because when you set up an account there unlike when you set up a league account here um i you do have to attach it to a credit card if i remember correctly um and that was like another problem i think i think that might have been why my ID wouldn't let me hook mine up is because I was trying to use my Chase debit card, um, which I could use my Chase account to buy things in Korea, but I couldn't uh, uh, set up a League of Legends account, which was interesting. Um, the price, the price 
scale on champions and skins and other other items was different there too than it was here um in uh in southeast asia the company that runs the league of legends servers is kind of notoriously known for um one of the champions timo the they they only sell him or for a while they were only selling the champion for money um and they were selling him for like three times what the most expensive champions cost in So were there any regulations based on age? Like you said, you had to have a credit card. What what did that mean for like, you know, oh, I'm I'm 14, 15. Like we hear a bunch like I mean, I do at least about the Overwatch League, right? They have all of these kids that are like, I'm 17. The Overwatch League won't let me compete until I'm 18. Like, was there any sort of age gating that way? Uh, you mean for like as far as esports goes? I mean, as far as like, you know, like I'm 14. Do I have like a minor account for League of Legends? Do I have like, do I have different restrictions based on that? Um, it was hard to tell. Uh, mostly like because there's this weird um like white text thing that would pop up. You'd be in the middle of a game. You'd be in game, not in the client, but in the middle of a game. Um, and this like crazy white text box in korea with like a big age number on it of 17 or whatever um would pop up and like the bottom middle third of your of your screen and it'd take up like quite a bit of the screen it was really irritating um some of the like more hardcore guys i knew wouldn't play during like the period that these popped up on people's screens that were basically like if you're underage and you're still playing you are breaking the law but there was no enforcement, right? It was just like was, a warning. Yeah, no, no enforcement. It was like a warning. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, it, it's super bizarre. The other, I guess, follow up on that. The other reason um, that they have all these rules is that if you go into a PC bong um, in South Korea, all the PC bongs um, have all the champions unlocked when you log into them. And you can log in with the account that you use at home where you don't have all the champions. But you go to a PC bong and all of them are unlocked and you can play as them. Nice. Cool. Yeah, weird. Really nice. Cool and weird. But like, um, theoretically, if you were uh, a savvy um, computer nut, you could figure out how to host logins in Korea from people from different, like from China or Japan, where they could log in via your like, fake location and have access to everything weird cool weird weird yeah really weird but like it's it's important to look at i mean if you look at a place like south korea where the esports economy and gaming economy is um from the consumer side like is way bigger right than it is in the united states um then they've had to start looking at some of these things like digital ids um and how that works Nice. Well, thank you so much for your insights on that. It's going to be interesting to see how this ESRB thing plays out. Um, we're going to definitely keep an eye on it as we have been forever. It seems like every week we're talking about loot boxes. So we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. But in other news, Blizzard's hosting a Warcraft 3 Invitational. Dylan, what do you think that means? Hype! Hype train! For what? For, uh, well, um, 
mostly like the tournament because that's confirmed, but also, um, I mean, r- rumors spread that we're looking at um, some sort of new Warcraft, like, I, I guess it's, I mean, Warcraft is the franchise, right? So new Warcraft game? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the... More more hype than that, in my opinion, is actually they are updating Warcraft three. Um, it's light balance changes, but they are completely updating um, uh, the Warcraft like the engine and the the world, the world map editor. Yeah, and getting a, a full update. So like, there's going to be larger map sizes. Um, they're they're going to allow people to start working on that stuff again, which uh because we're getting i mean they're doing the kind of the same thing they did with starcraft one with the uh the The remastered the remastered yeah so they're remastering warcraft 3 um warcraft 3 is like a lot newer game and i i I don't know like i i think it will pull more more players than starcraft one in the united states anyway than starcraft one did yeah Um, definitely in the u.s yeah, probably probably not internationally like that would be hard because Starcraft one is still like heavily played in some countries um, in, in the Middle East. It's still one of the like most popular games there, um, which is really cool. But uh, yeah, a Warcraft three remastered um, with a, a new world map editor is going to be um, it's going to make some spicy memes. I'm I'm hyped for it. Um, I also like. I mean, we're gonna see Grubby on stage playing Warcraft Three again, um, with with some balance changes, um, mostly to like heroes. And I mean, they're gonna be playing on maps that have the the taverns on them, um, which have like the extra heroes that aren't race based. But you can go and clear the the creep around the taverns and then buy heroes. And they're balancing some of those, and some of those were really broken. So like Sylvanas. Like Sylvanas. I don't. I don't think it's Sylvanas. What is it? The Dark Ranger. I think that's the, what it's called, right? Yeah, the dark. The Dark Ranger, which was like, um, you had like this infection thing that when the creep died, then it would respawn as a zombie. Um, and uh, I mean, Fire Fire Lord uh, Rakdos had like a similar one actually, um, that was pretty cool. That like his auto attacks like immolated people, and if they died from the immolation, then they respawned as like fire elementals. Um, the the Kung Fu Panda was in there, um, and he had the ultimate where he splits into three. Um, there's some really cool heroes, but we're gonna see like professional level games played, um, with a more more balanced version of those. Um, Blade Master, I'm sure we'll get a little bit of a nerf. I'm hoping Karn gets a buff. Um, I'd like to see, um, like see Karn come out. Uh, I'm hoping to see like other human heroes be good. Um, Instead of just Uther and yeah, Uther and Murden. That's when I played. That was like the big meta. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll see though. Yeah. Yeah. Mur- Murden was great for catching out heroes because you could stun and get a surround and you'd force them to DP roll out. Yep. Um, if you've never watched War Three like competitive, it's like different than anything else you'll ever see. Like it's yeah. it's way different than League of Legends, it's way different than StarCraft. It's just way 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 different because of the emphasis on the heroes. Yeah, and I mean Star StarCraft is like the 
You have to be a macro god to compete at the top level. You have to be good at micro, but you have to be a macro god. Um, there are some players, of course, who like are micro gods and, and destroy people um, with their micro. But Warcraft 3 is all about micro control. Um, and with the rise of the MOBA, so you're, you're going to get to watch like them MOBA, MOBA microing heroes while macroing like their economy their economy at the same time uh which is really cool um and i don't know i'm i am so 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 excited uh but it is my favorite game of probably of all time yeah no it's it's a good one for sure uh i'm i'm looking forward to it because i'm looking forward to playing it on modern systems uh, Warcraft 3 came out in like 2000 and what, two, 2003, something like that. So it was before. Right. Yeah, it was before like HD was a thing. So it still plays in 4.3. It doesn't play in 16.9. So I'm really excited just to be able to play the game again on modern systems. Um, I think it's polished and well-rounded enough that like I don't need an HD remaster. Like I don't need like. Oh, here's Arthas with, you know, like a brand new skin that looks like he's from straight out of WoW. Like, I, I don't need that. Just just give me 16.9 support and let me integrate with, like, Battle.net so I can just chat with my friends as I'm playing. That's all I really want. And my, my biggest thing, uh, actually, is uh, please shrink the UI on the bottom or allow me to, like, change the size. Because it's ridiculously big. Yeah, StarCraft has that same problem. Yeah, um, yeah, StarCraft definitely has the same problem. Um, I also am hoping they integrate, um, you can select more than 12 units. Uh, did they put that into StarCraft 1 or no? No, StarCraft 1, they wanted to keep as close to the same as they could. So StarCraft 1 doesn't have that. <laughs> um, it's still only 12 units. I think, was War 3 12 or was it 18? Uh, I'm pretty sure War 3 was 12. Um, and just to, it was 2002 for War, for Reign of Chaos and 2003 for Frozen Throne. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 12. Starcraft 1 might have been 16. It might have been more. No, no. Starcraft 1's 12. Is it 12? Okay. I've been. Yes, I know it's 12. Uh, yeah, you've been playing it. So um, but the other thing like Warcraft 3's like sounds and both like character sound and um the music and stuff like it's incredible uh i i stand by it as being one of like the best sound design games um especially for 2002 oh yeah uh, absolutely acting. like it's beautiful yeah well and the other thing that's really cool is they brought a bunch of those people back when world of warcraft came out because the thing i think a lot of people forget myself included is that like World of Warcraft wasn't supposed to be a thing, right? Like World of Warcraft was supposed to be the side project. Yeah, it was supposed to be the side project, and Warcraft Four was supposed to be a thing. And uh, cry a lot, lay down, try not to cry. Cries a lot. I'm okay with it. I I dig. I dig. War World of Warcraft. I think. I think the other thing that was really nice is it allowed Warcraft and Starcraft to differentiate themselves. 
and yeah. Warcraft's now, you know, that high fantasy RPG and Starcraft's a strategy game. And like, I think that's a good thing, honestly. But yeah, we'll see well, if we I get think, one. I think World of Warcraft could be a better game at this point. Like, uh, I, I mean, because they were kind of the first to be successful at what they did. Um, and we've gotten a lot of up, like a lot of new expansions. Um, I mean, we're coming up on another one, but it's kind of remained the same. And I would have liked to see them uh, like, I mean, it hasn't remained the same. Like they've gotten a lot better at like storytelling um, and, and the interaction of storytelling with like your character. But I would like to see World of Warcraft play play better, I guess, because it does boil down to hitting the same seven buttons in sequence over and over again. Yeah, which, I mean, some people really like that. Some people dig it. I I don't know. My favorite thing when I played WoW, I played WoW for like 12 years. I was in a pretty high-level guild on my server, and I was an officer in a guild. I played a lot of World of Warcraft. Um, my favorite thing was just hanging out with friends and, you know accomplishing something together there is a large amount of teamwork but ultimately like from a gameplay perspective yeah are you good with your rotation that's where it ends yeah 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 and and i totally like don't disagree with you from a social aspect uh i've never played a game like world of warcraft um i can i i actually do like the fact um it is a game where like me and friends that i've known for a long time um that I don't live anywhere near, I can't, like, see them. But, like, we'll go, we'll plan to, like, go drink a cup of coffee at, like, 8 p.m. and buy a, a, a pack of cold ones and crack a cold one with the boys and play WoW until 2 a.m. and just, you can just talk. Like, you don't have to really, like, work that hard at the game itself, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, hopefully we'll get a remaster or or something out of it. Um, minimum, we're getting some pretty high level play, which is going to be exciting. So let's move on to competitive corner. Dylan, what do you got for us? Any crazy meta shifts in League of Legends? Uh, not really that I've noticed. Um, I mean, we're starting to settle into like, uh, I guess there being options within in the masteries um which is really nice uh to see but um with that then we're seeing like the like champion optimization is coming through pretty strong um but i am pretty happy with this season so far the only place that um i mean it it seemingly has always suffered from this problem um the 80 carry the marksman position uh kind of boils down to like the same two two champions um which which means that it's like four or five champions at that role because of bands and things um and i would like to see that role i'd like to see them figure out how to open that role up some more however they have just made some changes to the precision keystones uh and masteries and things um if i if i was watching ls's video correctly um that means that it might open up but we still might just have this varus kogma like who can pick Varus and deny the other person Kogma game going. Um, 
but we'll we'll see. I don't know. The, the I I still am pretty happy with the game. There's enough variety and competitive that it's interesting to watch. There is a ton of variety in solo queue um, that is competitive, uh, but it is significantly harder to like solo carry, which I'm okay. Like it's a team based game, um, but it does make like it frustrating if you don't have like a group of friends to play with consistently. Um, and I mean, it's always suffered from the problem of do I have four friends that are as good as me? Yeah, and I think ultimately that's one of the biggest problems with League of Legends, honestly. I, I think that's just a that's just a problem with MOBAs in general is it's really hard to like have fun. Um, yeah, it's really hard to have fun. Like, yeah, like solo queuing is the worst. Um, yeah, like it it takes a special kind of person and and it I mean, you it's a game that forces you to make the decision, do I want to play solo queue or do I want to play with my friends? Um, because uh, like not, either my friends are too good for me to do a queue with them or are or aren't good enough that it's going to like make the game too hard for me or not fun for me. Because there is such like a huge like learning curve and skill curve and stuff. And that's um, kind of like, you kind of have to choose like if you like that or not. Um, and I mean, some like I do, I, I enjoy trying to beat other people, um, but I, it is frustrating um, going from a game in the first couple of seasons where um, I could solo carry a game if I played well enough to, the newest iteration, which is great if you do have a consistent group of friends to play with, um, but if you don't, then, um, or if or you're you're like like you're the hard carry, or you're getting carried every game, then that can be like unfun. So it's it's really hard to like figure out like where's the fun? Why should I play this game? Um, which kind of if if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about something. Uh, it's kind of competitive corner ish. Um, but it's just a it's a thing that I've read about that I um so League of Legends has a a mode called uh, Earth or Ultimate Rapid Fire. Uh, okay. They they reduce the cooldowns on all of the skills by like eighty percent, um, and you can't buy nice. any more cooldown items or anything. Everybody gets like uh it's like seventy percent bonus attack speed. Um, everybody gets like some bonus AP and some bonus damage. Um, and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's crazy and it's on purpose. Right. Um, and it's a, a special game mode and they do rotating special game modes. Um, the first time it came out was a few years ago, uh, for April fools. And then they, they've put it out for April fools, like two years in a row. Um, and then they switched to this rotating game mode, but every time it comes out, um, there's this really interesting thing that happens. So, um, the player base is larger than this, but I'm just going to use like arbitrary numbers. So there's a hundred League of Legends players that play every day consistently. Um, the game mode comes out and it surges to 120 League of Legends players while the game mode is out. And then when the game mode is discontinued for a while, it drops to 80 League of Legends players as their like consistent player base. Okay. So so they don't release Earth. Because in the long run, it seems to be reducing their total player base, uh, which I find really interesting. Um, and so I, I am, it's going to be interesting to see, like, 
I think this might be the last season of League of Legends where League of Legends is like a top five player, like by player base, like a top five game um, for like online competition. Uh, I think we're going to see it drop after this year. And that's just a theory that I have. Um, I think people have grown bored with it. And I don't think they encourage um, partying up to like make connections to make a team that's fun to play with. Um, like they don't really have like a good way of doing that. And so I think they're going to see, uh, I think, I think we're seeing the end of league of legends at the end of the season. Wow. You think that soon? Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to like die. Like as far like, I don't think nobody will be playing it next year. Um, but there was like, there was the last good season of Warcraft three. That was, um, what like 2007 or 8 and then yeah. it kind of disappeared like some people played it but it wasn't like it didn't matter anymore it was just a game that people owned um and i think that we are uh we're there i think we're at the we're at the top of the merry-go-round yeah no that's that's really interesting cuz i was actually thinking about this um the other day so i I have watched every single Overwatch League match. Every single one. I've watched every single one. I'm pretty sure there's only, like, me and maybe, like, obviously the casters and the players and stuff like that. But I'm pretty sure there's only, like, maybe three dozen of us that have done that, right? Like, there, there's an upper limit to that. And part of me is sitting and, like, I really like Overwatch League. It's a lot of fun to watch. I enjoy seeing it, but the other part of me is, does this have, like, longevity? Is this going to last more than three or five years, you know? And I'm not, I don't know if it is or not, and that that kind of worries me. It concerns me. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, um, the, the thing that needs to happen is uh, each team has to have a large enough fan base that that fan base alone carries their games so if you look at like the average or the mean um number of viewers per game each team needs to have that many fans or half that many fans so that the total when two teams play against each other equals that total number um in order for this to be like sustainable um and that's why like i'm really kind of glad that na has gone to this franchising because it is encouraging people to become fans of teams that like they know aren't going to go away. Well, it's teams. Um, it's, it's rooting for teams and not rooting for players. Exactly. Like my favorite Starcraft player of all time doesn't play anymore. So like, what's my incentive to keep watching? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like it, I, I I mean I have gone from like the first three weeks I think I didn't miss I didn't miss a single NA game and I watched probably half of the Korea Korea games for League of Legends this season, um, and like I've gone down to at this point, um, I have only watched the C9 games from last week, um, and I didn't watch them live. Well, I, I should be clear. I'm not watching them live. I don't have that kind of time on my hands. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, well, but even even the fact that you're watching all of them, like, is impressive, is an impressive stat. But that, like, imagine if you watched every single NFL game. 
Yeah, it's it's boring. It's no nobody really does that, right? But it it still exists and still is a billion dollar industry, right? And it's because each team is a sustainable industry in and of itself. I think, like, I mean, there I I enjoy watching a good football game. Um, I actually enjoy watching a good football game more than I enjoy watching the Broncos play because it stresses me out. I like, agree. <laughs> like, I would much rather watch like two teams that I literally don't care about. Um, like I would rather, uh, I'm going to jump over into college ball. I would rather watch like, uh, North Carolina play Clemson or something than watch Oklahoma or Oklahoma state play pretty much anybody. Yeah. And, and that's why I think, I think that's honestly one of the best things overwatch league has going for it. Right is this idea of franchising because I think, I think it does. It, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, and well, that's uh, like, I am a fan of the Chicago Cubs because my great grandfather immigrated to Chicago and became a huge baseball fan and then moved to Oklahoma and I'd go visit him and he had a Chicago Cubs blanket and he had a Chicago Cubs baseball and he had memorabilia hanging up on the walls and he would always watch the Chicago Cubs play baseball on television. Um, and I've and so when I went to Chicago, I've I've been to two Chicago Cubs games at Wrigley Field. So and I've been to Chicago Cubs versus a Houston Astros game in Houston. Um, and that's why I'm a Cubs fan is because there's a legacy there. And that's right. what you have to create with esports. Yeah, and I think it's going to go through a lot of growing pains because I think a lot of a lot of people didn't buy into that five ten years ago you know and because of that you know we're we're seeing like these upstart tournaments and you know these organizations built around esports that are kind of coming into this problem of you know money and sustainability and how do you build a brand and things like that because like cloud nine's great i love cloud nine they're one of my favorite esports orgs there there's not a cloud there is a cloud nine team in the Overwatch League, it goes by London Spitfire. That's why they're my team. But, like, Optic Gaming is the sponsor for the Houston Outlaws. But to the average viewer, they don't know that. That's not seen. That's just kind of like backdoor talk, you know? Yeah, well, and, and I was planning on rooting for the Houston Outlaws until I found out that Optic was the, form, like, the owners. Um and it, because I have like beef with optic in the way that they treated their league of legends team. Um, yeah. And so like that has changed my mind and I am still deciding which overwatch league team I'm going to root for. Uh, it is looking like spitfire or soul. I might just consistently stay with the cloud nine. Um, cloud nine uh, theme. Yeah. Well, we're always looking for more London fans. Always, always, always. So that's going to wrap it up. Oh, no, we can't wrap it up. We totally forgot. What about Brigitta? Brigitta? Brigitta. Brigitta. The new Overwatch hero. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I I saw a picture. Um, What? what, uh, Yeah. What do you think? Have we have they announced it's, like what it is? Because I've just heard speculation. 
Oh, so she's on the PTR. I played a couple matches as her. She's freaking insane. It's weird. Like, Blizzard has been, like, tooting their own horn for a long time, saying, like, oh, Brigitte's gonna, like, change the meta forever. And, like, when you hear that, that's, like, oh, man, that's, like, PR talking. That's a bunch of hyperbolic crap. That's not true. No, it, it really is. She's she's gonna change everything. So she's a support character, but um, she's, like... She she's a support hybrid, right? So she's not like a straight support like Mercy or Lucio, right? She's a support hybrid. And instead of being like a support DPS hybrid, she's a support tank hybrid. It's the weirdest thing. But like it works. And actually, it's great. Like, uh Overwatch is kind of, it was kind of missing that role um because that kind of is what saved um, League of Legends at the end of like season two, season three is they figured out how to like get some of the tanks it, into the support role because in North America people think oh I'm not going to play support they don't carry um, but then by putting like Blitzcrank and and then they released a champion named Thresh um, and like Kench came out and and stuff like it made support fun for for people who don't like support. Um, and when I got into like Overwatch a little bit, I was like, there's this, that character doesn't exist. Yeah, no. And it's weird. So she's and like the other thing is, so she's a support tank hybrid, um, not being like crazy hyperbolic here, but like she's the crusader from Diablo. Like literally she is a straight lift from Diablo. She's got the shield like Reinhardt has, but it only covers her and she uses a flail like the Crusader from Diablo. And like, she's got a little bit of range with the flail. So it's not like melee range. She's not like uh, Genji when he pulls out his dragon blade or doom fist. Like she's got a little bit of reach with it, but not much. And then like one of her abilities, like sends it out almost like the length of like Roadhog's chain hook, but it just boops him real quick. Like it's just a little like, haha, keep you away, keep you away. It like knocks him up in the air and does a little bit of damage. But like she's she's great. And like the other thing that's really cool is her heal is it's a target heal like uh Zenyatta's orb where you have to be within line of sight. So it's not like Mercy where you have to like follow somebody and like hold the stick right next to them. Like you can be across the room as long as you have line of sight, you can hit the button. But the thing is that's cool about it is not only does it heal, but if that character's at max health, it will give that character additional armor even beyond their max health. Oh, so it's like an overheal. Yeah. Which cool. is insane. And then, like, her ultimate ability is called Rally. And she'll, like, you know, she'll, she'll do, like, she'll shout into the air, like, a rally, right? And, like, her little jetpack on her back, like, sprouts out, like, a little flag. It's super cute. And um, she drops an aura, which increases everybody's speed and uh, slowly gives them armor over time until the effect wears off. So, like... That's, that's awesome. Well, and then she also has a shield bash that does, like, a little stun, too. But you have to have the shield up in order to shield bash. So the way it works is, like, left click will give you your um, flail. So, you know, you can, like, swing one, swing two, swing three. And then um, you can hit 
shift, I think. I'm pretty sure it's e. It's either shift or E. It's shift because E's her heel. Uh, you can hit shift to do like her longer flail hook. And then if you hold right click, she'll bring up her shield. When she has her shield up, she can't attack with her flail. She can only attack um, when her shield's down. But when her shield's up, you get a shield bash. And the shield bash has like a little cooldown. It's like a three to five second cooldown. But I mean, you know, I caught a Lucio with it the other day and it was great because she doesn't do any damage at all, right? She's horrible at damage. But like there was a Lucio sneaking behind us getting ready to boop us all off an edge. And I just turned shield bashed him. And then my uh, Soldier 76 teammate turned around and just laid into him. And it's like really weird playing this like super defensive healer. But it's great. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is like if you look at like the rest of the game, so like all of the tanks, they their secondary role is like DPS. Like all of them do plenty of damage, right? But yeah, like, the supports like the 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 tank or the supports either do like more more support or more damage, um, and they fall somewhere on that line. But like so, as soon as you take like well, let's throw utility and tank stats together and just dumpster damage then it opens up like really cool utility options that it it will revolutionize the meta i've, I've watched it happen in other games and that's really exciting um because uh, like people who want to do that like will like people that just want to make other people have a bad time that's that that's what they'll do and it's yep. awesome i'm excited I'm, yeah I'm, that's really cool well i'm like i'm a support main I love playing Zenyatta, Mercy, and Lucio. Those three, I can just switch between freely. And, like, I'm a decent tank. And, like, part of me is like, oh, man, do I need to, like, up my tank game if I'm going to play her? Yeah. So that's, like, you have to decide. And the other cool thing is that that is, um, from a decision-making standpoint, uh, where do I stand to be most effective? Um, you'll see like people who are new to playing tank will focus on engaging instead of keeping their carries alive. And so their engagements, um, while they'll be good and they're strong and they're good at engaging, like that's not actually their job. Um, that's the, that's like a tank's job, right? But you're a tank support. And so you actually need to like keep your carries alive and play like, but I mean, and, and and deciding when when it's your job to like start fights and force fights, and when it's your job to just keep your carry alive is kind of where the skill comes in, which is cool. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited, and like from like a storytelling like lore perspective, she's really awesome. Um, like she's Torbjorn's daughter, but was like kind of like grew up looking up and admiring Reinhardt, which is why she's got, you know, like the shield and everything like that. I don't know. She's, she's going to be awesome. She's on the public test realm for uh, PC right now. And then she will be hitting um, live typically in like two to three weeks, but it just breaks my heart that we're not going to get to see her in overwatch league until stage three, which is still four or five weeks out. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, the nature of having a competitive game, you know, you have to keep things consistent, um, for the players. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when Brigitte finally shows up in Overwatch League. Cause I mean, she's, she's going to drastically shift the meta 
which I'm excited about. Like, these last round of nerfs have kind of shifted the meta, but, like, this is going to be, like, a huge Titanic shift. Um, and that's the thing. is like, we don't even know if she's going to be, like, in a 100% pick. She might be situational. But it's still fun to have. And I think it brings, like you were saying, like, a much-needed skill set. Yeah, yeah. I, um, man, that's just, it's really good. Um, I'm... I'm excited to like see how she performs uh, when she comes out. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's already like super awesome fan art of her and everything like that. I, I can't wait for her to be live. I can't wait to see like all of her skins. I can't wait to like play her beyond like the PTR because like the thing that sucks about like those test realms is like everybody wants to play the new hotness. So like you don't really get a good clear idea of where, that ends up once it hits live servers, and, you know? And she does no damage, so all for one would just be the worst. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But she's a lot of fun. Um, like I said, she's on the PTR now if you play on the PC. I highly recommend checking her out. So, yeah, that was, like, the final bit of excitement that I'm super, super jazzed for. That's that's all I got. Dylan, do you have any parting words of wisdom to bestow? Uh, I am... No, I'm all out of whys. Really? I rolled a one on my wisdom check. Sorry. Well, that's fine that you did that. I, however, rolled a little bit higher, and I just want to say thank you guys all so much for listening. As always, please remember, be kind to your fellow gamers. We all do this for fun. So go out there, have some fun, play some games, meet some people, and remember, have a great week.